Let those creak in the tombstones quake. Happy haunts materialize. Ambient to vocalize. Grim grinning ghosts are to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. For a silly spook, they sit by your side. Shrouded in a dark disguise. They pretend to terrorize. Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 211. Catherine, spooky season has begun. Ooh, and we're so excited. We've already looked at all the new Halloween merch and we will be buying some. We'll be buying some. The moment that we see the first Mickey wreath in Magic Kingdom will be amazing. It'll be a glorious day. Now imagine, layer on top of that, pumpkin drinks come out at Starbucks soon. You've got a pumpkin cold brew in your hand looking at a Mickey pumpkin wreath. Have I painted the perfect picture for you? And, you know, it would actually be perfect if it was like a solid 70 degrees. (laughs) That would be perfect. It would be, but you got that. You got it in hand. You take it all in on Main Street. Then you head back to Liberty Square and you go to the Haunted Mansion. And that's why we're so excited today, because this episode feels like it's been a long time coming. It has been. And we were supposed to do this last week. We. I'm going to be honest. There's so much here. I don't even know if I feel prepared this week. And we literally studied for a week straight trying to get as much of this in. We read comic books. We watched a horrible movie with Eddie Murphy in it from 2003. You liked it. Well, I don't know if I liked it. I maybe maybe was antagonizing you. Um, We bought an Imagineering book. We've read everything we can online. There is so much information about the Haunted Mansion. And there's so much that specifically applies to our goal here of trying to give you a deeper look or a deeper appreciation for the storytelling aspect of it so that next time you ride it, you have a deeper appreciation for it and makes you feel or think something different. This ride was made for us. <laughs> it really was. This is like the perfect ride to talk about. And, you know, even as we... We're talking about it together. We're like, do we focus on Disneyland? Do we focus on Disney World? Because even that in itself is kind of two different stories. Um, So we'll just kind of throw out the different things that we find. And chances are, you know, we may have to circle back to the Haunted Mansion in a later episode to talk more about it. But this will at least lay a nice um, foundation for some things. And we had to table Haunted Mansion Holiday. You we simply did. can't cover it all. <laughs> so Haunted Mansion Holiday, I think we try to do that around Christmas time. That would be nice. Maybe, Christmas. fingers crossed, Disneyland is open by then. 
I don't know if they'll do it this year, but, you know, wishful thinking. That is wishful thinking. But let's lay the groundwork for just the facts first. So Haunted Mansion opened in 1969 in Disneyland. And just to set the timeline so you understand sort of some of these beginning strategies, Walt died in 1966. So, of course, he never got to see a finished Haunted Mansion. It also opened in Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World on opening day on October 1st, 1971. There's also a version or adaptation of the Haunted Mansion in every single Disney park besides Hong Kong. So I kind of took the approach to look at the beginning and some of the history just because there is so much that goes into it as far as, you know, all the amazing Imagineers that worked on it, some of the different ideas that were thrown around. And I thought it was important to include some of these beginning ideas because a lot of these things that they just kind of threw out um, are actually things that we see in the final product today. Um, So in the beginning, Walt Disney first approached Imagineer Ken Anderson and artist Harper Goff, who worked on the Jungle Cruise, about the idea for a haunted attraction in 1957. So keep in mind those other dates that Brendan just mentioned, 1969 and 1966, this started a very long time before the finished product, about 12 years before, which I don't know every single fact about all the attractions, but 12 years. I mean, that might be the longest process for building. What do you think? I would say like a continual idea that built on itself. I would say sometimes they knew that they wanted to put an attraction somewhere, but they went through multiple different iterations or ideas or ride types. This was always meant to be some sort of haunted attraction. In this New Orleans Square. Then later on in 1959, Walt tabbed Rolly Crump and Yell Gracie and Gracie is the name that we'll come back to, right, Brendan? Yes. To lead the design of the attraction. And this was originally planned to be a walkthrough attraction that would have involved maids or butlers guiding guests through the mansion to tell them about a tragic tale of a sea captain whose original name was Captain Gore, kind of to fit that haunted theme, and his bride, which again, more on that later. So... In another draft, because there were three drafts that were originally thrown out there by Ken Anderson. So in another draft, there the home was going to be called Bloodmere Manor, which ooh, I don't like that. Um, it would have been owned by the Blood family. So let's just wrap our heads around that, which was going to be the story of a 100 year old mansion that was brought to Disneyland to be restored. So they were kind of, you know, going on that premise that it was an existing house um, that they were bringing in specifically for the purpose of being at Disneyland. And the story was going to be that each night after the construction crew would leave, um, their work would be destroyed by these prankish spirits until one day the spirits actually trapped a worker in the walls and then you would still be able to hear him hammering in the walls. So I thought it was interesting that in this second draft, we start to see that idea of ghosts that are maybe not like evil 
and they just like some pranks. I don't like this idea at all. What about it? I just don't like the idea of moving a home to Disneyland and a construction crew like that. Oh, well, that doesn't do anything for me. I I see that. It's not maybe the best thought out idea. But again, this was just going to be like a walking tour. So they were probably going with that idea that you would see like in any old like southern town that it's like a real like haunted house type of thing. So I guess it's a more like realistic idea. If that makes sense. Um, so then the third draft that Ken proposed was kind of the most unique at the time where Walt himself was going to welcome guests on tape, not in person. That would have been cool, though. <laughs> um, and then a lonesome and kind of playful ghost would escort guests through the house and they would discover the residents are planning a wedding. So again, a wedding, that kind of idea has come into play again. And this was kind of the lighthearted idea of the three. Um, a couple problems came up during this time period where there were these three different drafts. So for one, Walt wasn't a big fan of a walkthrough attraction. Um, in the past, they had an issue with Sleeping Beauty Castle. That walkthrough was kind of a disappointment. So it was put on hold. Other issues that kind of came up were they didn't think that it would be like a people eater attraction. So that was a big deal to them. They wanted lots of people to churn through the ride and get out quickly. And they didn't think a walking tour would allow that to happen. And then in some of the original drawings of the Haunted Mansion, Walt didn't really like the outside appearance. I don't know what exactly it was about the outside appearance. Um, I think it was maybe too like dilapidated. Um, it just wasn't a hit. So there were a couple different things that caused it to be put on hold. And so I know a little bit about this. So that's where Harper Goff comes in is that he did all this concept art for Walt. And many people are probably familiar with that. Harper eventually got his inspiration from a mansion in Baltimore, not in New Orleans. But that was the goal. Walt did not want it to look dilapidated. He wanted to, to look on the outside like it was well-kept and well-manicured, had a lawn, that there weren't cobwebs on the outside, rather just on the inside. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you know, the big thing that, you know, kind of stands out as far as how things got shifted or halted was Walt Disney and the Imagineers did shift their focus in 1964 to working on the World's Fair. Well, I guess it would have been before, but their minds shifted to work on the 1964 World's Fair, even after the building was completed in 1963. Yep. So. You can probably put the pieces together there, but the building was completed and it sat empty for six years. They couldn't figure out exactly how they wanted to build this attraction or they didn't have the resources to do it in that time period. Which is honestly mind blowing to me just because my brain does not work that way. Like to just build a frame for something and not have like a concrete idea. So I just think that's so interesting. So then, of course, in that same time period in 1964, Mark Davis and Claude Coates were added to the project. So Mark's background was with the Enchanted Tiki Room. 
and the animatronics there because it was the first animatronic show. Brendan, are you impressed I said that word? Yeah, you do struggle with that word. And of course, he worked on Pirates as well. But at this time, Pirates was not a thing. Oh. So they brought him in strictly because of the Tiki Room. And he was going to be responsible for creating the mansion's ghosts and the different scenes that would be featured. And then Claude would be more of the design person. Um, some of the ideas that Mark came up with were the ghost host. So thanks for that. Although, of course, he would still be narrating the walking tour. So even though they were looking for a people eater, it was still a walking tour, which is kind of mind blowing. And then they he also came up with the elongating room, a seance room, and then just a room where a great evil had taken place. An elongating room? You mean a stretching room? Well, the elongating room turns into the stretching room, but it started as an elongating room. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to say that next time we're there. Good. Good. I'm glad you learned something. So, and that, you know, great evil room would be the murder of a bride and her fiance. So it's a very reoccurring theme that keeps coming up and fun fact mark wanted the great evil or the most dangerous ghost was another kind of idea that was thrown out he wanted the most dangerous ghost to be dun 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 the ghost host and the ghost host would have been the one responsible for murdering the bride so like a crazy turn of events so the guy who invited you in was then the most evil one. It's <laughs> so to circle back. If you have any desire at all to watch the actual Haunted Mansion movie with Eddie Murphy that Brendan mentioned, it's similar to that plot. No spoilers, Catherine. It's only been out for 17 years. <laughs> it's the butler, the guy who invited him in, was the one trying to kill him. So same kind of idea. Okay. Now I kind of appreciate the movie more. Maybe just a smidge more. Let's we're, not get carried away. We're going to talk about the movie at the end of this. All righty then. Ultimately, it was Mark and Claude who took control of the project after Walt passed away. And it was, like Brendan said, because of the success of Pirates of the Caribbean, they were the team responsible for Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, however, during this time after Walt passed away, they did have a lot of creative differences Mark was the one who wanted the ghost to be a little more lighthearted, whereas Claude wanted the ghost to be scary. And in the end, we did kind of get a little bit of both. You know, in the beginning, it is very theatrical. It's setting everything up. That's kind of the part that Claude was responsible for. Um, and then, of course, all those things that I mentioned earlier that were suggested actually came to fruition. Um, but there isn't a linear storyline. And this is kind of the reason why. And I do think it's interesting in any research that you do on this, a lot of those very early Imagineers, it's almost like this was a full force effort. You see Rolly Crump, you see Marty Scalar mentioned, you see Harper Goff and, and like all these really early guys, I think they all contributed and pitched in and, and had their, and I say guys and I mean multi-gender because I know a lot of the artists were female. And I just think it's 
it's really amazing that you think about how long this ride was in development and how many people touched it along the way. Mm -hmm. And we're not even done talking about these Imagineers. So we're going to circle back to Rolly and Yale. We mentioned them just briefly, but they had a larger role in kind of the illusioneering aspect of everything. That's kind of where their specialty was. So is that a department illusioneering? At at this time, it was. I'm picturing um, like on Muppet Vision where Dr. Honeydew has his office. Illusioneering would be like Gonzo and he's doing a <laughs> magic show. That's the illusioneering office. <laughs> That's a that's a good one. Maybe it was kind of like that. These two were like the misfits kind of doing their own thing. But Walt, you know, enlisted the help of Rolly Crump, specifically knowing that one of his hobbies in his childhood was magic. He knew that Rolly knew how to recreate some of those well-known illusions that would help with the ride and the attraction. And he was also well-known throughout the studio for his sculptures and three-dimensional figures. So he had a lot of talents that Walt recognized pretty early on as being a benefit to this attraction. So both Rolly and Yale spent most of 1959 in a large room in the animation building where they basically just practiced working on this stage magic and these different illusions, trying different things out and during this time, they came up with the idea for their projection that is used um, in the Madame Leota scene and the busts that follow you as you move. So that kind of illusion of they're turning their head. One story that I thought was really funny. Um, in one story, Rolly talks about how the janitors didn't like going into this upstairs room to clean because, of course, they had things hanging everywhere. Obviously, it's all like ghost themed, so it's kind of spooky. And if you can imagine just like going up into this attic room at night trying to clean, it's probably kind of creepy. So they simply suggested like, hey, could you keep the lights on for us when we clean? And of course, these two thought, yeah, we'll leave the lights on, but they actually like booby trapped the place too. So they set up this beam that when it got tripped, the lights would turn off and all the ghost effects would turn on. And of course it went off one night. They came back the next day. The broom was laying in the middle of the floor and they got a call that day saying the janitors will no longer clean up your room. You have to clean it yourself. Which is hilarious. It is hilarious. I mean, <laughs> they just had all the time in the world and I'm sure they had a great time setting all that up too and watching it work. I don't know as much about Yale Gracie, but I have watched quite a few interviews and listened to some interviews with Rolly Crump. And that sounds so on brand for him. Well, even just from watching some of the um, documentaries that we've watched on Disney Plus and seeing like some of the animators and Imagineers and kind of like their spirit, like they were all very much this way. Like when I read this story, I mean, what a place to work. Like there are no rules there. It is free reign constantly, I feel like. Oh, yeah. I wonder if it's the same way today. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know. It 
you would have to think. I mean, they still have still still some creative freedoms, but I don't know. Like I remember, like we saw in Waking Sleeping Beauty, they were doing full reenactments of movies. Yes, and filming them in the office. Yes, surely they're not doing that anymore. We didn't see that in the making of Frozen Two. We <laughs> did. We did not. It was a little more serious. Yeah. So I don't know. That's funny though, and it, and it, you know, I think that that culture and that's. Um, that breeds creativity. So I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So one thing I want to point out before I move into character backstories, which is something I've become obsessed with <laughs> over the Haunted Mansion, is there is no canon story to the Haunted Mansion. That may have been clear in what Catherine already said. But I want to repeat that. There is no canon story to the Haunted Mansion. Think about how crazy that is. There are so many spinoffs. There's so many characters. There's comic books, movies, all this stuff. And there's no true source material for who these characters are, who plays what role. It's it's like a breeding ground for fan fiction and different things that they can spin off to. So it's it's chaos, (laughs) but it's chaos that I love. Yeah, it's turned into our own personal like black hole that we just keep digging ourselves into. So I want to talk about some of these characters, some of these prominent characters that you will see throughout the ride. And some of them have multiple backstories. And I'm going to present them in a way, hopefully, where you can adopt the one that makes the most sense to you or that you're most intrigued by. And then my suggestion would be, and and this is the way when we wrote it the other day, how I viewed it is I was piecing together these different stories or lores that I had heard about these characters. And it it made it so much more enjoyable. You notice different things than you than you ever would before. I was going to say it truly is fun to kind of look through the queue, look through the different scenes in the ride and look for some of these characters once you kind of know what to look for. <laughs> And one other story I wanted to share beforehand, which again, just adds to the chaos of this, (laughs) is I read on Reddit. And so you can take that for what it is. Is it is it trustworthy? Probably not. But I thought it was interesting. Uh, There was a thread talking about Haunted Mansion backstory and what can we confirm? What can we draw from some of these early designs and whatnot? And someone was on there saying that they were a cast member who worked at Haunted Mansion in Disneyland. They went through traditions. They went through their training, got assigned to Haunted Mansion. They were told a story for how the characters played together. But then they were also told at the end, if you can think of a story that fits the narrative of these characters and what we know, you are free to share it. Which, again, is crazy. It is crazy. I mean, just to think that even those cast members have that same kind of creative freedom that maybe some of these Imagineers had is wild. So I don't know if that's still true today or if that was ever true, but it almost kind of fits the narrative of of how this came to be. Let's start with my favorite character in this entire attraction, Constance Hatchaway. So the bride in the attic in both Magic Kingdom and in Disneyland versions, she is the reason that you jump, quote unquote, out of the window and into the graveyard scene. So that's actually what's happening when you turn backwards 
right after you see Constance, the bride, you are falling out of the window into the graveyard scene. What does this remind you of? Oh, gosh. Way to put me on the spot. The movie. When does she fall out of the window? She doesn't fall out of the window. That is how Eddie Murphy's character gets out of the haunted mansion is by jumping out of the attic window. Oh, I guess you're right. He's kind of thrown, though, isn't he? He's thrown out the window. Well, same thing. Well, he jumps through the carriage with the other two ghosts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're so right. there's a nice little homage to it. So that is what that moment is signifying. And it's because you are trying to get away from Constance, who I would think is the most evil spirit in this entire attraction. Not the ghost host. Not the ghost host. <laughs> he seems a little more friendly. She was originally illustrated by Mark Davis, and she is accepted to be one of the stretching room portraits. And she is the one that is sitting on the tomb of beloved George and she's holding a rose. So a quick aside to talk about George. Who is he? You would presume she's sitting on his grave. So that is most likely her husband. Or I should say one of her husbands. Mm -hmm. And so George is believed to be George Hightower, who is quite possibly, and I like to believe quite probably, a relative of Harrison Hightower III, who is a member of Disney SEA and is the owner of the Hightower Hotel in Tokyo, Disney. See. <laughs> so, already we have a connection between Tokyo and Haunted Mansion. Very cool. I would have never known that without you. So the story goes that George built his wealth and traveled around the world, but then decided to retire to New Orleans in this mansion that he found. His wife, Constance Hathaway, was said that once they moved into the mansion, she killed George to inherit his wealth, but in the process cursed herself to be stuck in her wedding dress in the attic of the house. So what that means is that implies that Constance is actually the owner of the haunted mansion. Which goes against what most people accept as fact. Most people would say that it's Master Gracie. And we'll talk about him, right? We will get we to him. We haven't gotten to him. And so she is the owner of the house and she haunts the attic looking for her next spouse to join her in this home now that George is gone. Uh, and so in that stretching room, just to paint that picture more, she's sitting on the tomb and then the... Uh, I guess the headstone. Headstone is the better word. Yeah. On the headstone is a picture of George. He's the one that with the mustache. Same picture that you can see up in the attic of her and her spouse. Has a big mustache and he's got a hatchet in his head. Of course, she's holding a hatchet when she's mm. in the attic scene. Look at you, you little super sleuth. <laughs> so we do know for a fact that Constance was married five times. Ambrose Harper you think that's a node to Harper Goff? Oh, I hope so. Frank Banks. That one's not very exciting. Nah. The Marquis de Doom. <laughs> a foreign diplomat with a military past. Okay. Fitting. Reginald Kane and George Hightower. So she's married five times. That 
plays more so into a probably more popular theory is that she is repeatedly married and she murders her husbands on their wedding day. The comic book that we read had that same story. Yeah. And there's other clues to hint this as well. Whenever you are first introduced to her in the attic scene and you see her portrait, each subsequent portrait you see her, she has another string of pearls added to her neck, implying that she's been married multiple, multiple times. Did you count last time we went in there? Did you see if there were five? Uh, I didn't count that there were five. I just noticed that it got more. Okay. But we'll, we'll have, have to try to count. We'll have next to count. Time. It's very dark, Catherine. I don't know if you've ever been on the Haunted Mansion. It was exceptionally dark this past time we went. They must have dimmed the lights extra because I swear I could not see a thing. So I kind of like to think that these two theories can play nicely together because even the theory that she murders all of her husbands on their wedding day, that George Hightower is still part of that narrative. So who knows the timeline? Who knows when they bought the house? I, for one, am going to believe that Constance is the owner of the house. Are you convinced or do you want to hear more? I'm going to hear all my options and then I'll let you know. I think that's the biggest question that I am intrigued by is who is the owner. And I'd be interested to know if other people have theories as well. So next person I want to talk about is the ghost host. So first off, it is widely believed that Master Gracie and the ghost host are not the same person. Do you think that's fair? I think that's fair. So we know that the ghost host is the hanging corpse in the stretching room, and we can only see his picture in one spot on the entire ride, and that is in the corridor of doors, where you see all the portraits hanging up with the doors knocking and things shaking and and whatnot. Look closely next time you're on it. He has the rope around his neck, and he has a hatchet in his hand. Not much else is known about the ghost host, but some people believe that he was the butler for the homeowner. So again, who was the homeowner? Whoever is, that might be. <laughs> is it Constance? Is it George Hightower? Is it Master Gracie? You decide. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the general feeling of who the ghost host is. Captain Gore. So like Catherine mentioned, the original concept for the ride followed Captain Gore and his bride, presumably the beating heart bride. I don't know if you read any of that in your... So the, the beating heart bride is who was in the attic before Constance. Constance was added in 2006. Okay. So I maybe he was adopted. I don't know. Anyway, Captain Gore and his bride. And what is so interesting about this story is that this narrative was led by Mark Davis and it would have connected directly into Pirates of the Caribbean. Now talk about like mind blown if you would have had like a direct correlation between those two rides, because typically if you think about those two rides and I guess, again, I'm coming from like a Walt Disney World standpoint, it doesn't seem like they would fit together. I think in Disneyland, they do play more nicely together because they're both located in the same area. Um, But that to me would be just like mind blowing. So originally, Mark Davis wanted to include Captain Gore's pirate bride so captain gore obviously he is a like a naval shipman of some sort but he was married to a undercover or a secret pirate secret pirate 
And that's where their marriage fell apart because she was a secret pirate trying to get his wealth. And she was going to be included in Pirates of the Caribbean. And there was even some early ideas that you would directly get off of Pirates of the Caribbean and go on to Haunted Mansion. You would ride the boat ride and then you'd walk through the Haunted Mansion on your way out as a continuation of the same story. You want to hear another thing that they considered putting at the end of Haunted Mansion? What? A restaurant. I'd eat there. I read that somewhere (laughs) that they considered um, putting like a restaurant as you walked out, kind of like how like the Blue Bayou is associated with Pirates of the Caribbean. I mean, honestly, is it too far of a stretch to think about, especially in Disneyland, of Pirates and Haunted being in the same universe, for lack of a better term? There, I don't think it's a stretch. Like I said, I think there they do kind of play nicely together. Um, And even originally when they were planning the two rides, they did talk about they were both going to be like walkthrough rides originally. Um, At one point in time, they talked about them sharing like the same building, um, kind of like um, when you think about the like the Avatar rides they share like the same show building like kind of a similar setup to that so i mean i don't think in that scenario it's a stretch it is just harder to wrap your mind around that in disney world well and this is a this is a tangent that we can go very very deep on we've had this discussion before of should pirates even be in magic kingdom should it even be in adventureland and we can't answer that today (laughs) But think on it. Yeah, we have enough to talk about. Um, But Captain Gore also comes up. So we mentioned that we read these comic books about this, and these are produced by Marvel. They're called Kingdoms, Disney Kingdoms, I believe. I believe you're right. Um, And it was just a very limited five book run that they did. We got it and put it on our Kindle. And Captain Gore is the main protagonist. Is that the right word? that mean bad guy i don't know i'm a dummy and antagonist would be he's the main villain okay (laughs) in the comic books um and he the story goes there again he had traveled the world but he was looking for more wealth and he heard that this mansion in new orleans had wealth somewhere within it and so he traveled there and got trapped there by the spirits. He eventually mastered magic as well. And he put a curse on all of the other spirits there, trapping them with sat within the haunted mansion. Hmm. He also had a very part of that curse, which I thought was really cool. Was he put a curse on all of the ghosts that were in the ballroom and made them have an endless party. Wow, what a what a curse. Well, you know, I know you didn't make it as far in the comics as I did, but it turned out to not be so great. Oh, okay. <laughs> I did fall asleep. <laughs> but um, I, I don't know. I just think those are really cool. And something that I would definitely recommend checking out is just search Haunted Mansion comic books on Amazon and you'll find the, the e-version of them. There's 70 bucks for the hard copy version. 
If anybody yeah. has a cheaper <laughs> version for sale, let me know because I would like them. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, so that's pretty much it on Captain Gore. Next, Madame Leota. So, of course, we are introduced to Leota in the circle room where she's performing a seance to call out the spirits from beyond. In Disneyland, in New, or- New Orleans Square, New Orleans Square, you know what I'm trying to say. We see a depiction of Leota in a Vardo, which is essentially a caravan of gypsies, where in her in her uh, mortal life she worked as a medium. In Walt Disney World, his gra- her grave is in the graveyard of the family plot, where it says, "Dear sweet Leota, beloved by all in the regions beyond now, but having a ball." Thank I you. love graveyard puns and Disney world is full of them and they're great. So this implies that she was a close family friend of the mansion owners. I guess the Gracie's I will concede that it's the Gracie's for the moment to continue following down this story. And we, and you learn more about her connection to them in Memento Mori, the gift shop outside of the haunted mansion and magic kingdom. So inside of there, based on the pictures and the narrative that it tells, we learned that she was a witch or a medium living in Salem, Massachusetts during the Salem witch trials. Once those started, she fled to New York and opened up a shop called Memento Mori Curios and Curiosities. And in the process of running that shop, she crossed paths with the Gracie family and then she became close friends of the family and traveled with them to New Orleans to the mansion. So mm. that's how she's in the family plot. She has to be close to him to yeah. be there. Yeah. That's interesting. I guess it makes sense. Like the whole gypsy kind of background medium. Well, and even in the movie, they call her gypsy repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had never support that. That noun had never come to my mind before. Mm-mm. But it makes sense. It does make sense. Okay. <laughs> Hatbox Ghost. Next. Only being found in the Disneyland version of the attraction, he is known as the quote unquote lost ghost because he was there for opening day in 1969 and for a short period of time after, but then he disappeared until 2015. So remember that, that he left for a long time. When he was originally there in 1969, he was located in the attic scene where he was implied to be a suitor for the bride, the beating heart bride, not Constance. She wasn't there yet. He does appear in the Magic Kingdom version as well, though, just not as an animatronic or a physical ghost. Yeah, he uh, his portrait also hangs in the corridor of doors where the ghost host is. So you have to look for him next time as well. So my favorite lore about Hatbox Ghost, again, is from the comic books. And in there, he was stuck in the Haunted Mansion, and but he found himself permanently stuck in the endless staircase portion of the mansion. So again, that's only a Magic Kingdom portion of it. They don't have that scene in Disneyland. So it's a, another connection to Magic Kingdom. He spent so much time trapped in that room that he was able to master the magic and understand the magic of the staircases. He discovered that the staircases could be used to travel to all of the different haunted locations around the world. Now, the reason why I like this story 
is because that could explain why he left for so long. Because he was off haunting at all of these other places that he gained access to. I hate to like go down another rabbit hole, but it makes me think of the Umbrella Academy. <laughs> oh. It's not time travel, but it's like in the same realm. So that's where my brain just went. But don't you think that's kind of cool that, by the way, we're obsessed with Umbrella Academy. So if anybody wants to talk about it. Um, don't you think that's cool? Like he left for a really long time. Nobody really knows why. Probably he went down for maintenance and I, it just <laughs> took him a, a long, really time. long time. It took him, I don't know, 40 years to get him back up and running again. But the story kind of plays nicely that he found an escape out of the haunted mansion in the endless staircase room. And so he's out traveling the world. Yeah. It'd be cool to know or to find like, if there are any other like little clues or anything else that they could have put in the mansion to kind of play with that story. Like if he brought something back, you know, like that would be cool. So he does in Disneyland, of course, he has his hat box that his head pops back and forth between. There's also a box. I think it's seven hat boxes behind him as well. So maybe he picked those up from traveling. Maybe. Maybe that was his souvenir everywhere he went was a hat. I mean, that's very fitting for a hat box ghost. So lastly, we have to talk about Master Gracie. His story is so intertwined with the rest of these people. And I want to read you this that will, if, you're, if your mind's not already in a pretzel, it will be after <laughs> this. So there are multiple versions of people with the last name Gracie, which is weird. So neither William nor Edward are necessarily the real name of the character. But you will see them in some places. In the source material from the Imagineers, the character is only referred to as Master Gracie as an homage to Yale Gracie. With Edward and William being alternate versions of the same character. Edward Gracie is Master Gracie from the 2003 movie, which is not canon from the source material. That's the movie with Eddie Murphy. Gotcha. William Gracie is the Master Gracie from a 1990s comic book run, which again is not com it is not canon and did not come from the source material. George Gracie Jr. is the Master Gracie from the Ghost Gallery storyline, which once again is not canon and from a dis different universe than all of these different people. And in the ride, he's just Master Gracie, but he's not the ghost host. So my mind is in a pretzel right now, in case anyone is wondering, where exactly in the ride does it mention Master Gracie? Or like, where can I look? For him. Okay, so <laughs> in Magic Kingdom, he has a headstone. Okay. Outside? Outside in the family plot, Master Gracie's headstone is there. Okay. He's somewhere in Disneyland as well. I know I'm pretty sure it's somewhere like in the butler's um quarters. Mm -hmm. There's just like a little note or something that says Master Gracie. I'm not as familiar with that. That's interesting that he would own the house, suppo supposedly, um, and that's his only... Ref I feel like that seems very... It feels very small. 
compared to these other characters? So that's the question. Some people say that he was like the uh, headmaster of the home. He was the head butler. And maybe the owners passed on that maybe are not even mentioned here anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, But because he was the head butler, he kind of took the lead role. The other question is, specifically in the Magic Kingdom version, there's the portrait above the fireplace before you go into the stretching room. Is that Master Gracie? I don't know. There's no label, is there? It's just a portrait. Yeah. So, I don't know. Master Gracie is filled with ambiguity and filled with contradicting stories. It makes sense, though, to be the quote-unquote owner of a haunted house. I mean, maybe to not know much about him. Quite possibly. Yeah. So... We've shared all this. (laughs) I'm going to share my theory. Okay. And you guys can take it or leave it. Poke holes in it. Please do. Because I want to keep evolving on this until I come up with my own. And I'm going to write an essay. And it's going to be canon. Um, I like to believe that Constance and George Hightower were the original owners of the house. Constance killed him. And became cursed, got stuck in her uh, bridal dress. She's stuck in the attic. (laughs) Bridal dress, wedding dress, same thing. Stuck in the attic looking for her next husband because she has been married five times. She's looking for her sixth ring of pearls. Yep. And I like to think that Master Gracie was the head of the butlers. And the ghost host was also a butler. So you don't think that Master Gracie ever necessarily owned the house in your in your theory. You just think he was a butler. Yeah, I mean, I say that. But then I also think about the family plot that that like contradicts me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I just really want to believe that Constance owns the house. Yeah. Well, it does kind of pose the question that how would why is Constance in the attic? You know, if I don't know. So you could also say that it was something along the same theory as the movie that maybe Constance and Master Gracie had a love story of some sorts that obviously in tragically. There's a lot. There's, there's a lot to unpack lot. and there's a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. So I think we're gonna have to table it. We're not going to solve it. No. It, but that's what it, it almost feels like a mystery. And maybe, I mean, that fits the narrative of what they could be going for here. So that's all I had for character backstories. <laughs> that's all I had. I'm sorry. I didn't have much. So as far as just general takeaways, what's your overall takeaway from you know, everything that we talked about, but then just everything that we read over the past week and a half, two weeks. What are your thoughts? I'm obsessed. You see, you get the fandom. I do. The obsession. I always liked Haunted Mansion, but that was pretty much it for me. I didn't think about these characters and their backstories. And there's so much stuff that we didn't even discuss today. 
Like so many things. <laughs> I promise you, you could start a podcast tomorrow devoted to the Haunted Mansion and you could do 200 episodes and not even cover everything. I mean, it, it's probably true just because there is a lot of history. Even so that's our big announcement. We're starting a Haunted Mansion podcast. No, don't, don't. We cannot commit to that. We would never have time for anything else. Literally, nothing else would matter. Um, but even, yeah, even just you could talk about all the different storytelling aspects, all the different people who had a part in making this. We didn't even talk about um like the storytelling process and the people who worked on that and all the artists and the voice we actors. Talk, we didn't talk about any of the graveyard scene. We didn't talk about the hitchhiking ghosts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So someday stay tuned for part two. We will have to revisit this for sure. What are your final thoughts? My final thoughts. I mean, in a similar vein to everything that we just said, I mean, it is just incredible to think about all the trial and error that went into this, all the ideas that got thrown around, um, the connection between pirates and the haunted mansion blows my mind. Um, but again, it makes sense when you think about the Imagineers that were set to work on it. Um, and I also just like to think that the final product that we have today is something that would make Walt proud because he was so hands-on and he was definitely that final say, you know, the person who envisioned this and pushed this along for so long, um, even though it took 12-ish years to get done. Um, you know, I think the, the final product, even though there are so many like holes and things that we can still think about. I mean, it's, it's a solid ride. The, my favorite quote, and I think it was from Marty Sklar when I was reading it, he said, there's such a deep story without an actual story. It's well said, which is frustrating. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but it makes sense. All right. We got to get our listener stories for, what our listeners thought about this ride and what their ratings were. So our friend Ryan gave it an 8.75. He said, you can't fast pass this every time because you'll go, you'll miss the interactive part of the queue. Every change to the Haunted Mansion has made the experience better. So there's always more room for ghosts and new effects. And that's something we briefly touched about. I'm like Constance has only been there since 2006. Hatbox Ghost left for 40 years. <laughs> and I do really appreciate the interactive part of the queue because just like all the other headstones and things that we mentioned, it does just add that much to the story. And it does allow you to kind of get in that mindset before you even walk into the physical building. I do want to point out one thing here because it came up in the comments here. Um, talking about since Ryan mentioned the queue, I think the Disneyland version is superior in most every way. I like the staircase scene in Magic Kingdom. However, Magic Kingdom's queue blows the Disney one, Disneyland one out of the water. So if you've only ever been on the Disneyland version and you're coming to Magic Kingdom, you have to go through the full queue. Yeah, it is. I would say it's probably worth the small wait because even on a normal day, it's 
hard to even remember what that is, but it's hard to remember like what the weight would be, but I think it's worth it because it is cool to look at all those, all the characters and all the things that they put out there. Yep. We have a lot. People have, have some strong opinions yeah. <laughs> about Haunted Mansion. So Katie gives it a seven and a half. And she said, when I hadn't been to the parks in years and was planning my first trip as an adult, I kept dreaming about this ride. I'm not one for horror or spook. I agree, but love a solid Halloween vibe. And I feel that this ride is the pinnacle of classic Imagineering. Spooky, but funny. Great visual effects, but not over the top. And the queue and cast members make it so perfect. Don't have to ride it every time, but but I don't no. Don't know a single person who doesn't love this ride. Yeah, I agree. Our friend Lindsay gives it an eight and a half. This has always been a favorite of mine, and I'll probably ride it at least twice while at the parks. I tend to not want to fast pass it because I love the queue. Comes again, comes up again, and it's worth the wait for me. I haven't minded the changes made to the ride as they don't take away from its originality. And she also did uh, nine 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 for nine hundred ninety nine happy haunts. Love that. Yeah. Um, Jake gives it a solid nine. He said, I'm going to Walt Disney World next month with my best friend and she's never ridden the Haunted Mansion. And I'm absolutely ecstatic to experience this with her for the first time. That is a pretty cool experience just because there is so much to look at and to take in. Um, And then you can even have that conversation afterwards. Like, did you catch this? Did you know this? And you can kind of talk about it and then even write it again to catch it a second time. Yeah. Abby says, I have definitely come to appreciate it more over the years since I've gotten interested in Imagineering. Since I'm not super into scary stuff, it was never at the top of my list, but I do really enjoy it now. And I'm fascinated by the history of how it all came together at Disneyland and how it continues to evolve at the parks and around the world. I, um, I would agree. I was never much for spooky stuff either. And I, we've had this discussion also. Mm-hmm. I never really liked Halloween. It's also right next to my birthday. So I feel like it detracted from the main event, which was me. (laughs) And, um, but like Disney and Halloween go hand in hand now. Oh yeah. And Haunted Mansion plays a big role in that. I completely agree. Sean says that he's been known to jump on this at 11 PM during magic hours and ride it until midnight. I literally think of this attraction every single day and play the song in my car while working. The looks I routinely get are incredible. This is a perfect 10. We have been singing Grim Grinning Ghosts around here. Again, spooky season. Very much looking forward to it. Today was the first day I played the Disney Halloween playlist on iTunes. What? You didn't tell me that. Yeah. Catherine says an 8.25 for me. I can't wait to go back and write it again. Even with the changes due to COVID, I still can't wait. Um, I would agree. It, I hate that you don't do the stretching room, but I understand it, obviously. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. Maybe pull it up on YouTube or something if you you want the full experience. It does give you a good opportunity, though. You know, we talked about the portrait of Constance, particularly. It does give you a good opportunity to kind of look at those maybe um, in more detail than you would typically have because they are out there. So maybe it's, you know, you can look at it that way. It's an interesting opportunity. Jackie said it's a nine, but really it's a perfect 10. The only reason I'd never fast pass is because you don't want to miss the queue. You can definitely get one easily as the parks close as it's always our last night 
our <laughs> last ride of the night. Our last night on the ride. That would mean like death plays nicely into it. I don't know if you caught that. Okay. Thing. <laughs> I can't wait for the battle royale between you two for the original versus the nightmare layover. Stay tuned. That'll be Brendan said Christmas. I think more Halloween. That'll be the perfect bonus episode. Um, so this one's already over an hour. That one will definitely be like three hours. <laughs> yeah. I could talk about Haunted Mansion Holiday literally all day. We're obsessed. Okay. Our scores. I'm about to boo you off the stage. I'm following the rubric. You got to follow the rubric. You got to bend. Teacher 101. Okay. Share your measly score. Oh, my goodness. I gave it a seven and a half. And in following the rubric, um, I did so because I, as far as nostalgia goes, I don't have a lot of memories writing it as like a kid or early on because me and my sister were complete pansies and like our Nana would beg us to ride this ride and we would go into the stretching room and immediately leave <laughs> because thank you, Claude. It is kind of scary. It's setting it up very nicely. So I deducted points for that. Um, and I'm trying to think of where else I deducted the thrill factor. Um, See, to I, me, it's not thrilling. I think it's a different kind of thrill because the top one is my throat hurts from screaming. You don't scream on that ride. Okay, I, I I do actually in the graveyard uh, scene when those little things pop up. You elbowed me last time. I did. Okay, so maybe my score should be a little higher, but I think this ride is kind of relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> relaxing. Yeah. Hmm. We okay. we put it on our list as a romantic ride. Remember when we did that? Yeah. Yeah. So it's multifaceted. Okay. I gave it an eight and a half. Uh, the only ones that I took points away was worth the time investment. I said I ride it once per day. I I don't know. Maybe I could ride it. Sometimes we have ride it more than once per day, but... Typically, when we think about things like ride more than once a day, it's like Slinky Dog. <laughs> well, that's just <laughs> that's some something you have to unpack on your own. Um, but yeah, and then I'd say I would fast pass it on a slow day just because you don't really need to. Yeah. And you don't want to miss the queue. Yeah. Kind of same thing. So I gave it an eight and a half. I think it's really solid. Um, I, I agree with every, what everybody said on Hunter Mansion, especially that it's like classic Imagineering and. And kind of what we talked about at the beginning, that so many people touch this. We need to reach out to someone and see if they'll do a documentary on Haunted Mansion. They've got to have something. Okay, I do remember a TV program that changed our lives was the decorating for Disney holiday <sighs> special where they showed us yes. how they did Haunted Mansion holiday. Again, this is a whole other tangent. It did change our lives. <laughs> We talk we talk about that like once a week. They need to put that on Disney Plus. So save 2020. Yeah, I mean I I I can't speak highly enough of it. I think to me I gave it an eight and a half just based on the rubric, but to me it is a 10 in other ways as well. There's nothing that I think could make it better. Do you Except think? for Maybe like other little hints or facts, like little, I don't want to call them Easter eggs, 
the like little things. Do you want Hatbox Ghosts in Magic Kingdom? Heck yeah. Okay. You you do. Don't you? <sighs> Maybe huh? like some days he comes to Magic Kingdom and other days he's in Disneyland. Okay, I could get down for that because he can travel. He travels. So, yeah. I don't know. I kind of like things like that that are specific to their actual park. So. Anything else you want to add? I know we can keep talking about it forever. I know we could keep talking. I think that about wraps it up. Um, I guess one thing that we haven't mentioned is that we are doing a bonus episode on Friday. So it's officially been two months since we've been in Florida and we're just going to check back in and kind of give you our thoughts and our updates and everything that's happened over the past crazy two months. So that'll be on Friday. And, you know, of course, we're happy you could join us and we hope you can join us again on Friday. Yep. And on Thursday, we are having, I guess we can say it, a rebranding event. Yeah. So super exciting. Get some new logos, get some new colors. It's going to be awesome. So check us out there uh, and we will chat with you on Friday. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.